The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Amen. Stand up on your feet, please. Take your Bibles and turn uh, to the book of 2 Kings. Last Sunday, we had a miracle service, and I preached about faith and breaking the yoke, quoted to you from Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27, and I want to give a a second message in that series tonight, probably the the final one, but we'll see, two-part series, and uh, breaking the yoke too, 2 Kings chapter 19, we're going to read verse 1 through 7, then we'll look at verses 35 to 37, and we'll also read Isaiah 10, 27. Are you all there? 2 Kings 19, 2 Kings 19. They are going to put the scriptures up on the screens for those of you who might not have a Bible or a smartphone or a tablet or one of these leather-bound. Let's read the word. 2 Kings 19, verse 1. And so it was when King Hezekiah heard it that he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and went into the house of the Lord. And he sent Alakim, who was over the household of Shnib to the scribe, and the elders and the priests covered with sackcloth, to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz. And they said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble and rebuke and, dis- and blasphemy. For the children have come to birth, but there's no strength to bring them forth. Verse 4. It may be that the Lord your God will hear all the words of Rabshnekia. Don't ever use the name to name your kid that. (laughs) Whom his master, the king of Assyria, sent to. If your name is Rabshnekia, I'm sorry. (laughs) Lord bless you. whom his master, the king of Assyria, had sent to reproach the living God and to rebuke the words of which the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. So the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, and Isaiah said to them, Thus you shall say to your master, Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid of the words of which you have heard with which your servants, the king of Assyria, have blasphemed me. Surely I will send a spirit upon him, and he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. Okay, go down to verse 35. And it came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000, just one angel. 185,000, and when the people arose early in the morning, there were all the corpses all dead. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went away, returned home, and remained at Nineveh. Now it came to pass, as he was worshiping in the temple of Nishrach, his god, that his own sons, Adramelech and Sharazar, struck him down with the sword and they escaped into the land of Ararat. Wow. And so Eshharadad, Nan, his son reigned in his place. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for what you're going to do. Amen. You may be seated. Praise God. This is a powerful passage of Scripture, and we're going to look at 2 Kings 18 significantly, look at sections of it, although we didn't read it, We'll go through it step by step. It's a turbulent time in Israel's history as we look at uh, at this King Hezekiah. To give you some background, the kingdom's divided. How many of you remember Saul, uh, uh, pardon me, Solomon? Solomon, the, the wisest man, became stupid because he began to worship other gods. And the kingdom was, he was judged for it, and the kingdom was going to be broken in two but not in his lifetime, for the sake of his father David, 
in the lifetime of his son would come this division. And in fact, it came. So the kingdom's divided, and that happened about 930 B.C. This is 200 years after the kingdom's divided. So the northern kingdom is 10 tribes, and the southern kingdom is, is two tribes, Judah and Benjamin. And uh, Ahaz was Hezekiah's father. And you can read about Ahaz uh, in 2 Kings 16, also in 2 Chronicles 28. So Ahaz and Hezekiah were co-regent. They led together as a father-son team. And then when Ahaz died, Hezekiah took over the rule uh, in his place. Ahaz was a bad king. Everybody say he was a bad king. He's a bad king. He's an evil king. Let me read this to you. 2 Kings 16, 3. says, He walked in the ways of the kings of Israel, even sacrificed his son in the fire, following the detest. I mean, what kind of a father would do that? Following detestable ways of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. So the very thing that he's doing is the very thing that the nations before Israel, Canaan's land, the very thing they were doing, and the, for that reason they were uh, expelled or ejected, or as another uh, text says, vomited out. They were judged, Israel being the, the hand of judgment upon them. And he was doing the very things that they did. He's an idolater. Say it. He's a what? An idolater. Now, we do have notes. Fill this in. It's going to be a little technical at first, and then I'm going to get down to brass tacks, preach it to you. You're going to go home with something that will change your life. Are you ready? All right, let me teach you just a little bit here. He's an idolater. This dude built an altar of Baal right in the middle of the temple. I mean, what kind of audacity is that? He's an idolater. Second Chronicles 28, 24. Ahaz gathered together the furnishings from the temple of God and took them away. He shut the doors of the Lord's temple and set up altars on every street corner in Jerusalem. I mean, this dude was wicked. He was wicked. He set up, he set up altars on I was just in Jerusalem. Dude, that's a lot of street corners. He set up street corners throughout Jerusalem so you couldn't walk anywhere and not see these, temp these altars erected to false demon gods. And he was, he was a serious vassal. Everybody say he was a serious vassal. See, what is va vas what? Va vassal. It's a servant. He was a servant of Assyria. And a wicked king. And eventually he dies. Hezekiah, co-regent, takes over. And Hezekiah's reign was really pretty amazing. In 2 Kings 18.5, let me read this to you. You can put it up on the screen. 2 Kings, 2 Kings 18.5. Talks about Hezekiah. The guys are revivalists. Here's what it says. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him there was none like him among the kings of Judah, nor were there any before him. This guy was a revivalist. He brought about revival in the country. And that's really amazing. And, and what happens is uh, he rebels against Assyria. He's like, I've had enough of this. I'm not doing this anymore. My father was a wicked man. I'm, I'm reading into it a little bit. But he says, my father was an idolater. I'm not an idolater. You know why? Because he had a godly mother. I, I believe that's the reason. I believe he had a godly mother. It affected him, impacted him. And he became a revivalist. But he rebels against Assyria. Now, understanding the text here, Roman numeral 2. This story is told three times in Scripture. It's 2 Kings 18, 20, which we read. It's in Isaiah 36, 39, as well as 2 Chronicles. You can read 2 Chronicles chapters 29 to 32. And the king of Assyria, because they've rebelled against him, king of Assyria invades the first time. And the first time he invades, Hezekiah pays him off. How many of you know you can't appease the enemy? But Hezekiah tries. He pays him off, and Assyria goes away for a little while, but he comes back. And he sends a commander of the army to intimidate Hezekiah. And you can see this in 2 Kings 18. Find verse 17, if you will. Then the king of Assyria sent the Tartan, and the, however you say that, Rabsharius. And there were a great army against Jerusalem to Hezekiah. And when they came up 
King Hezekiah, they went and came up to Jerusalem. And so they send this army against him. And he basically does it to intimidate him. And the commander says, uh, the commander speaks to, uh, speaks to the, the people in the field in the hearing of the people on the wall. And it really is an amazing picture of how Satan works. Listen, don't be ignorant of Satan's schemes. He's got a way of which he knows how to trick people, mess people up. And this really uncovers some of the way that, that, uh, that, that Satan works. He questioned Hezekiah's faith. Look at 2 Kings 18, verse 19 and following. The field commander said to them, Tell Hezekiah, this is what the great king, the king of Assyria says. On what are you basing this confidence of yours? So, so they've rebelled, right? They've rebelled, and the, and the Assyria says, oh, yeah? And they come the first time. Hezekiah pays them off. They're quiet, but then they come back, and this time they mean business. And so they come here, verse 19. This is what the, king of, the great king, the king of Assyria, says. What confidence is this in which you trust? Next verse, verse 20. You speak of having plans and power for war, but they're mere words. And in whom do you trust that you rebel against me? Verse 21. Now look, are you trusting in the staff of this broken reed to Egypt on which if a man leans, it will go into his hand and pierce it? So he's questioning, where, where are you getting this confidence that you think you've got the, the audacity to come against me? You trusting in Egypt? Because really Assyria didn't know actually what he was trusting. He was trusting in the Lord, who so he was trusting in. And he wasn't trusting in Egypt, he was trusting in God. But it could have been he was trusting in Egypt, and Egypt was waning at this time in history. And so that's why he says, you trusting in Egypt? Because they ain't nothing. I'll snap them. You lean on them. They're going to pierce your hand. Ain't nothing good going to come from that. And so, so Pharaoh, king of Egypt, of all who trusted in verse 22. But if you say to me, do we trust in the Lord? All oh, the devil right here. Watch this. But all of you say we trust in the Lord our God. Is it not he whose high places, whose altars Hezekiah has taken away? And said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar, O Jerusalem. He begins to question his faith. He begins to undermine him. And here's the thing. He speaks all of this in the Hebrew language. You say, why would he speak in, the, in Hebrew? Assyrians don't speak Hebrew, but apparently this guy learned it. And so he's speaking in Hebrew. You know why? Because people are listening. People are listening and they're going, hey, wait a minute, maybe we are in trouble. Is he trusting in Egypt? What's going on? Hey, man, maybe the Lord's not with us. And he begins to bring this division and begins to bring this confusion. It's exactly how the devil works. He distorts true worship. The enemy suggested that what he did was actually destroy the altars of God. But what he really did is destroy the altars of Baal. He really tore down the altars that, that his father had erected. But he says, oh, so now you've destroyed. And the people are listening going, wait a minute. Was that wrong what he did? Maybe we shouldn't have messed with Baal. See, he brings all this confusion. He doubts and distorts true worship. Listen to me. The power that you have is out of the relationship that you have with God. And if, he can, if the enemy can undermine your worship, well, he's, undermined your, he's undermining your power. He's undermining your relationship with him. If the enemy can get you to begin to think stupid, then you're in trouble. Oh, you shouldn't go to church today. You're tired. And then you're like, man, I feel tired. Wow, you went to church last week. Why don't you just stay home? Yeah, I think I'm going to stay home. And soon you begin to cave in to his... Some of you are thinking that this morning. He accuses Hezekiah of bringing weak, of being weak. He puts him down, 2 Kings 18, 23 to 24. Go ahead and put it up, 2 Kings 18, 23. Now therefore I urge you, give a pledge to my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give you 2,000 horses if you're able to put a rider on them. See, he's like, man, you don't have nothing. You don't have squat. You don't have diddly. What are you doing? You're a fool. You even destroyed the altars of God. Listen, I've got 2,000 horses. You can have them if you can put a rider on them, which you can't. I'm going to snap you like a twig. But God was with him. All the while, this attack of the enemy. 
He makes him, tries to make Hezekiah feel weak. That's just how the devil is. Gets you to feel weak. Gets you to feel like you can't do it. You can't win. How are you going to overcome? He gives him a false word. Verse 25 of 2 Kings 18. Go ahead and put that up. Have I now come without the land against this place to destroy it? The Lord said to me, Oh, the Lord said to you, what kind of a knuckle-headed talk out the side of your face? Give me a break. The Lord said to me, go up against this land and destroy it. Now, the Lord used them in an earlier time to bring judgment, but this not at this time. And so he's basically lying. He's lying. Everybody say he's a liar. Yes, when, when, when the devil speaks lies, he speaks his native language. He's the father of lies. He's the accuser of the brethren. So he comes and he gives his false word. Listen, I've, many people are enamored by the prophetic, and we have a prophetic conference coming up, and I would encourage you, get registered for the prophetic conference. Why? Because it will flat out change your life. It'll change your life. Now, these are tested, tried, true, honest-to-goodness people who prophesy the word of the Lord. But many people are enamored by the prophetic gift, and I've seen uh, believers that are younger in the Lord Get a word from somebody who didn't give them a word from the Lord, gave them a word of their opinion. Didn't give them a prophetic word, gave them a pathetic one. And because they don't know about weighing things, listen, God won't give you a word that contradicts His word. He'll never contradict the word of God. If anybody says that this word is greater than you, run, because that's a, that's a false prophet. That's somebody that's really messed up. And so the enemy gives them this false word. Listen, how, many, how do you know when a word is real? I don't want to get into all that the prophetic is because I'll probably end up doing that as we get just a little bit closer, about two weeks out. need you to register. You be a part of that. But if it, if it comes to pass, you know it's a real word, right? If it, if it confirms what God's already spoken to you, it's also a, a confirming word, an encouraging word, right? Um. If, if, if you get a word from, from the Lord, from a seasoned prophet that doesn't really fit your picture, well, just, just file it. Man, I, re- I think one of the per- first prophetic words I ever got, I was, I was in a church. I was with my mama once again. She dragged me to church. And it was this, it was this guest prophet. And the prophet called me out. Brought me up, stood me in front of the people. Now I'm wearing a pair of board shorts and a t-shirt. I didn't, I didn't know scripture. I didn't know anything from Adam. I didn't know nothing. I now knew I was saved, maybe. I think I was. She prophesied over me all this stuff. While she's prophesying, I'm like, <laughs> she's obviously clueless. Because there ain't no way that God could take my life and turn my life around and use me to expand his kingdom. And she went on and on, all these prophetic giftings and, and all this stuff, and this prophetic man, all this stuff. There was, I'm just like, what? My mom's crying. She's like, I know, the Lord showed me. I know. <laughs> now, I flat out thought that she was a freak. Although all my hair was standing on it, I'm like, man, what is that? My spirit was bearing witness, but in my mind, I'm thinking, that's insane. Because that's impossible. However, here I am standing in the midst with a tremendous team and a great army of people bringing your great revival to the Northland, walking in the very things that she prophesied over me 25 years ago. Whoa. But you've got to have discernment. You have to know when it's a false word. Now let me just tell you, we don't allow parking lot prophecy. Don't practice your prophetic gift here. Practice it in the small groups where you can have relationship, where people know whether you're on the beam or off the beam, and they can check their mercy at the door and say, you know what, that wasn't biblical, honey. They pull you aside and say, you know something, that wasn't biblical because, and they can help you. But that's not something you'll practice here because if you practice it openly and you're off, then I have to correct you. And that's embarrassing, but I can't let something go forth that's not of God, right? Do you understand? And many people want to prophesy over somebody who, who you know, I have a word for you. I have a word. I have a... Yay. You're supposed to marry me. You got to get rid of your husband. Karen would be like, <laughs> that'd be it. 
No, but let me tell you, the assemblies of God got rid of personal prophecy. They don't want it because they've had people come and say, yay, I see you driving your Escalade, yes, into my driveway. Yes, I see it. Yes, yes. Is that you? You know, they saw you drive in with the Escalade. I mean, what kind of nonsense is that? Greedy, false prophet, stand before God, bad news. Anyway, they get a false, he gets a false word, and it's, he's lying. He's saying the Lord sent us. The Lord sent us to, to bring judgment on you. He tries to cause rebellion and strife. Verse 26, 2 Kings 18. This is just how the devil works. It's like an expose on the demonic. 2 Kings 18, verse 26. And Alakim, the son of whatever his name is, Shnibna. When I... When I'm reading genealogies, I just pray in tongues as I go through them because it's a miracle that I can read it all. He says, quote, please speak to your servants in Aramaic, for we understand it. And do not speak in Hebrew in the hearing of the people who are on the wall. See, because what the enemy tries to do, and I've already made reference to it, but what the enemy tries to do is he tries to bring division. He, try, he tries to bring rebellion. He tries to bring strife. Listen, don't demand that you're right all the time. Just back off of your opinion. Even if you are right, sometimes it's better just to be quiet. You know what strife is? It's constantly you have to be right. No, no, no. No, no, no. Or last word-itis. How many of you know what that is? I can't stand that. How many of you know what last word-itis is? Please go up and clean your room. Do I have to clean my room? Yes. You always say that. In other words, you always have to say something extra on top of what you say. Nobody in here. Last word, itis brings strife. It's a disease from pride. You always have to be right. Where there's envy and strife, says the book of James, there's every evil thing. What? Where there's strife, there's every evil practice. So think about that. Expectancy is a seedbed for miracles. Strife is a seedbed for the demonic. You know, you all know what I'm talking about, strife, where it's like, you're this arguing, they have to be right. You're right, she's right, he's right, you're right. It's like you argue this point. No, I didn't say that. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. I told you what you did. And no, I didn't say that. Yes, you did say that. What are you talking to me in that tone? What are you talking to me with a tone? We've never been through any of that. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. But the, the enemy, Syria, speaks in Hebrew to cause rebellion and strife, to get the people started. Man, maybe Hezekiah is like his father. Maybe we're all jacked up. Oh, they've come to kill us. Oh, we're in trouble. Oh, and that, that's not what was going on at all. God was for them, but the enemy's speaking and messing things up. If the enemy can cause disunity, you've lost. I'm right, and she's wrong. Yeah, and you're stupid. I love what one preacher said. If you're so right that you, you, you just demand that you're right and you're willing to go before the throne of God and the throne of judgment for what you believe is right, go right ahead. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm not right. You know what I mean? Let's just, I could be wrong. Maybe you're right. All right. Look at F. He tries to undermine the word and authority of godly leadership. 2 Kings 18, 29. Through 30. Thus says the king, do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you from his hand. Verse 30. Nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver you this day, shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. I mean, what a dirtbag. That's what the enemy tries to do. Tries to undermine the word and the authority of godly leadership over and over and over and over. He offers false security in 2 Kings 
18, 31 to 32. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, make peace with me by a present and come out to me. And every one of you eat from his own vine and every one of his own fig tree. I mean, what a liar. Drink waters from your own cistern, verse 32. Until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of grain and new wine, you silver-tongued devil. A land of bread and vineyards. Gosh, where's the honey? There it is. A land of olive groves and honey. What a liar! Here, let me take you out of the promised land. I'm going to bring you to another one. And wrong. No, he isn't. He's going to bring you to captivity. It's just how the devil works. Well, it'd just be better off if you just do it your own way. Just be better off if you just cave in and yield. It'll work out. It's all good. It's all good. Say, uh-uh. He lies by saying God can't deliver you. No, what, what? We obviously have two different gods here. Whatever God he's believing in, that's not the God that they were believing in, but the people, the people were being moved. God can't deliver you. Look at verse 33 now. Has any of the gods of the nations at all delivered its land from the hand of the Assyrians? In other words, from Assyria. Another Assyria was a powerful, wicked nation, and they were wiping out people at an untold measure. They were taking it over. They were on the rise geopolitically and in every way. And they, were, they would do things that were just, I mean, we've got children here. You, you want, I mean, horrific. The true, you think ISIS is bad? They're, they're, they're like that plus plus. And they just did unbelievable, cruel things. Unbelievable. They would line line the city streets. My wife's shaking her head. Don't say it. They would line the city streets with their victims in, in an unspeakable way. So when you walked in, you would see all the people on the outskirts as you came into the city on stakes and stuff. Wicked, wicked, wicked. And so that they, everybody knew that. So they're like, oh, I guess maybe he's right. None of the... God can't deliver. God, they took all the, maybe, maybe God's with them. He starts bringing all this confusion. God can't deliver. You go to the next verse, verse 34. Where are the gods of Hamath and Arphad? Where are the gods of, yeah. Indeed, they've deserted Samaria from my hand, verse 25, 35. Who among the gods of the lands have delivered the countries from my hand? And the land should deliver Jerusalem from my hand. In other words, no, your God can't deliver you anyway. He's the one that sent me. What are you talking about? You're leaning on Egypt. What are you doing? You're confused. You're confused. I've come to mess you up. But it's all a lie. It's all a ploy. It's devil language. He continues to intimidate him. This is like an expose on the demonic. I mean, this is good stuff. Name of the game in spiritual warfare is intimidation. If he can get you to turn, heal, and run, well, you already lost. 2 Kings 19, 10. 2 Kings 19, 10. Say to Hezekiah, the king of Judah, do not let God, do not let the God who you depend on deceive you when he says Jerusalem will, will not be handed over to the king of Assyria. Surely you've heard what the kings of Assyria have done. It goes on through verse 13. Surely you've heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the countries, destroying them completely. And will you be delivered? Did the gods of the nations destroy my forefathers, deliver them? And he goes on to, he goes on to intimidate them some more. Everybody say we're going to break the yoke tonight. Let's apply this. In Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27, please put that up. We're making you work back there on the scripture screen. Isaiah 10, 27. 
says, it shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck. The yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. See, leave it up. The enemy had come against God's people to yoke them, to enslave them. And they had a word from the Lord, but they were, they were trying to do the right thing, but they didn't have the strength. They didn't have the military ability. They needed God to come through for them. And this promise is for us, I believe, in this year. It's a, it really is a word from the Lord for many. I know it's a word from the Lord for me. We're going to have a tremendous breakthrough such as we've never seen before. And we're, it's already upon us. A breakout of God's power, a breakout of God's anointing. Come on, on a Sunday night, they said, don't have Sunday night service when I first got here. They said, don't have it because ain't nobody going to come. I think there's a few people here tonight. Because there's people that are hungry. There's people that are thirsty. There's people that are knowing that God is more than able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that you could ask or even think. How did Hezekiah break the yoke? Hezekiah's response to all of that nonsense is this. He humbled himself. He fasted, 2 Kings 19.1. He humbled himself, he fasted, and he prayed. Psalm 35.13, when that way were ill, I put on sackcloth and humbled myself with fasting. When my prayers returned to me unanswered, I humbled myself with fasting. Isaiah 58.6, is this the kind of fasting you've chosen to loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke? He humbled himself. When you face difficulty, when you face obstacles, when you face an army that's exceedingly vast and you don't know how to overcome, humble yourself. He humbled himself. He went into the house of the Lord. Wow. He sought to be in God's presence. 2 Kings 19.1, Hezekiah heard this. He tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and went into the temple. Listen, if you're going through difficulty, the greatest place for you to be is in church. The greatest place for you to be is, is in his presence. Can I tell you some of the stuff that I went through? Even before I met Karen, I'd say to myself, if I could just get to church, if I could just make it to church, if I could just get there, it's going to be all right. And I would be like, I'd fight tooth and nail. I feel like I'd be fighting every devil in hell. And when I get into church, it'd be just like, whoosh. Oh, thank you, God. And he would refresh me, and he'd touch me, and he'd minister to me. And undoubtedly, the times when it was hardest, that was when I was really going to get a touch from God. So it was almost like the devil overplayed his hand. He tipped his hand to me to show me the cards that he had. So whenever, whenever I really didn't want to come, whenever I was so tired or disgusted or felt like quitting, and I just couldn't come, then I knew we can have revival today. And undoubtedly, I would come, God would touch me, the pastor, my pastor, doctor, he would preach a word that would just, come on, just beat the devil up one side, down the other. I'd leave that place so on fire, devil, sorry, you ever mess with me. That's what Hezekiah did. He, he said, oh, I'm in trouble. I'm going to the temple. Ah! And he runs off to the temple. Some of you run on Facebook. Some of you jump on your Twitter account. Some of you wring your hands and open the fridge and eat. Some of you, some of you call somebody. Listen, Jeremiah 33, call upon me and I will answer you and I'll show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not. Got to learn to pray. Got to learn to talk to the Lord. And you got to be faithful to continue to come to church. Go to your small group. Well, praise the Lord you got a desire to hear a word from the Lord. I mean, I have come to church at times just saying, Lord, you got to speak to me tonight. God, I need a word from you. I'm in trouble, and I need a word from heaven. One word from God can change your whole circumstances. So come on, let there be light. Bam, light. You still have it. Come on, he can give you fried chicken right now. Boom, fried chicken. Desire to hear a word from the Lord. You see this in 2 Kings 19, 2 through 7. Well, verse 5, 2 Kings 19, 5, when King Hezekiah's officials came to Isaiah, Isaiah gives him a word. So he says this, listen, we got a problem. I want you guys to go over to Isaiah. you got to talk to him. He's got it. He's got the word of the Lord. 
And he, 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 they visit, they talk, and Isaiah says, that's right, I'm going to whoop him. You got it right, hang tough. I'm going to send him back, I'm going to wipe him out, I'm going to send him back, and homeboy's going to die in his own false god temple. So hold on, don't worry. It's all right. Wow. He prayed, and he got others to pray, 2 Kings 19, 20 to 34. God gives this confirming word, which is amazing. Is Therefore, this is what the Lord says concerning the king. He will not enter this city, nor shoot an arrow there, shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with shield or build a siege ramp against it. By the way he came, he will return. He will not enter the city, declares the Lord. I will defend this city and save it. And I'm going to tell you something. I feel just like that. I'm going to defend this city, and God's going to save it. We're going to beat back the forces of darkness, the forces of hell and prayer first. We're going to let God be God and let every man a liar. We're going to see a revival come, outpouring of the Spirit. People saved, people healed, people delivered, not looking for drugs to set themselves free, but actually looking for God, looking to God, being healed of brokenheartedness, being healed of diseases and curses and bondages. Every yoke will break by the power of the anointing. It is the anointing, the endowment of God's power that will break a yoke will break people free come on somebody say hallelujah in the house of God I feel just like that don't you have to worry by the way he came he'll return I will defend this city and save it for my sake and for the sake of David hold the phone Batman David's gone for hundreds of years And yet God saw the way that David lived, the way that David gave, and he's still honoring David. Listen, the way that you live will determine what will happen in the next generation. God has a word for us tonight. He's going to break the yoke. Come on, say it. He's going to break the yoke. Worship team, would you come? A personal word. Personally, I want you to believe that the yoke will be broken off your life, broken off of your family. See, I, I think about what broken off your life. You say, well, I, I'm, I'm loving Jesus. Good. His burden is easy. His yoke is light. Hopefully you have the yoke of heaven, the yoke of Jesus upon you. But guaranteed, many of us have family members that still have a yoke of bondage. So you believe for that. You believe for our community. You believe that the yoke can be broken off. Come on, say amen. Seek the Lord. Seek Him. It's like we just did that with prayer and fasting the last 21 days. Do we have to do it more? Yes! Let the Lord lead you, though. I think as fasting as you should probably fast a day a week. I mean, you let the Lord lead you. Fast a couple days a month, three days a month or something. Let Him lead you. The main thing is have a, have a heart that wants to seek after God. Don't be reduced to some religious person. Come on, say Amen. You've lost your fire. He didn't move. If you've grown cold, draw nigh unto me, now draw nigh unto you. Call upon me and I will answer you. Somebody say hallelujah. Hey! Hey, come on, Jesus. Oh, call on him. You got to call on your brother when you need a hand. Lean on me, somebody to... Come on, Pastor Karen, sing it. You just might have a problem that you understand 
your lighters and stuff. What's going on around here? I'm just kidding. No, I didn't see any lighters. Come on, seek the Lord. Say it. Everybody say, seek the Lord. Live a lifestyle of brokenness before God. I've told you, be humble transparent and broken and you'll always do something for God the moment you think that you've got it you've got it figured out you've got it all nailed up in a corner and you're the blessed one and you're the man of power the woman of power for the hour buddy you already slipped we all need somebody to lean on we need the Lord especially (laughs) claim the promise Can you imagine being Hezekiah? He's got this promise. He's got this prophetic word. He's typed it out, you know. He had the scribe fill it in. I mean, massive army. And they just go to sleep probably weeping before God. Oh, God, what are you going to do? They don't know what he's going to do. Yet they wake up and they look. And they see dead bodies everywhere. Because the angel of the Lord, one angel, just one. Not a band, not two or three, just one. Just one, everybody say just one. 185,000 Assyrians slain. Carcasses lying everywhere. They didn't know what it was going to look like. They just had a word and they stood on it and God came through. Guess what? It came back the way he came. And the prophetic word of Isaiah came to pass. Come on, claim the promise. Say it. Claim the promise. Lastly, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need the power of the Holy Ghost. Did you get something? Come on. God's going to break the yoke. Stand up on your feet all across this place. Lift your hands to heaven. to have fun in church he's able to do it for here's what we're going to do we're going to close but before we do if you are facing a real obstacle a yoke you need something broken off of your family come on my answer my own call here you need something broken you need a breakthrough you want to see that thing broken by the anointing by the power of the holy spirit just come to the front come on we're going to pray come on good old-fashioned altar call come up to the front all the way up to the stairs here. You're believing for maybe a family member to be set free. Come on, Lord. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against me in condemnation I shall condemn for this is the inheritance. Sing it, Pastor Alex. You guys know it. Put it on the screen.
Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Don't let him divide you. Don't get a false word. Don't listen to his, his lying forked tongue. Don't let him whisper to you. Don't even talk to him. Stand on the word of God and see the mighty victory that's promised for you and for me. We'll not let his lies come into this city. We'll not stand for it. We're going to push it out of the borough. Push it out of Alaska. 
push it out of America. Come on, contend for revival. We pray, pour out your spirit in an unbelievable way, God, such as we've never known. In every church across the valley, Lord, in every church in Alaska, Lord, let the power of the Holy Spirit be injected into pulpits across the land. Turn America back, oh God. Turn America back, God. Turn America back. Turn America back to you. In the name of Jesus and everybody said, come on, shout hallelujah on the count of three. One, two, three. Woo! Praise God. Take someone by the hand. Let's close. Pastor Vince, come and close us, would you please? Just let go of that hand real quick, just one moment. Look, tonight is a night of victory. Tonight is a night that we advance the kingdom of God. But you can't just go by yourself. You gotta go in Christ. And you can't do that till you receive him as your Lord and Savior. With every head bowed and every eye closed, tonight, if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you want to rededicate your life to him, simply raise your hand in victory right now. Hallelujah. Say, that's me, Pastor. Pray for me. I thank you for those hands up here. Hallelujah. I thank you for those hands in the back. Anybody else want to come to the Lord tonight? Let everybody say this prayer with me and mean it from your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you paid the price for my sin by dying for me on your cross at Calvary. But I know you rose again and are alive forevermore so that I now have eternal life. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Write my name in your book of life. And make heaven my home. I declare you Lord over my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let me pray for you, Father. I thank you that all that prayed that prayer out loud and better than their hearts. Hallelujah. Are saved, God. And their destination is no longer a place of outer darkness, but now heaven. Hallelujah, Father. Oh, from this point on, God, whenever they make mistakes, whenever we make mistakes, we will never run from you, but always run to you to receive mercy, grace, forgiveness, restoration, and salvation, God, and your love, your everlasting love. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let me bless you, Lord. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us. Give us peace. We'll see you Wednesday night. Revival continues. God bless you. Praise God. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065 or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.